0: Lord, we pray that you would come and be a part of our sweet communion right now. We thank you, Lord, for being in our midst and for overwhelming us with your goodness. We bring a thank offering to you now as we prepare to break bread around the Lord's table. And we ask you, Lord, to come and inhabit our tables. Come and be with us, right? Share in this amazing, amazing thing that you've invited us to. So in the middle of your table, you have some juice. You have some cups. You can pour those, and my family's going to come around right now with a mini loaf of communion bread for you um, to break. Don't break it just yet. We'll break it all together um, in a minute here. And if you're at a table by yourself or if you're sitting along the wall or something like that all on your own, this would be a good time to join one of the tables. Don't make me call you by name. There should be at least three people at your table. If there aren't, You should join together because this is a communion has the word commune in it, which means community. That's the root of that word. So community, communion is not something we do all on our own. So uh, go ahead and sit around a table with some others. Didya? come on off that wall, buddy. Grab a table with somebody. Oh, by the way, this can be Diddy's last Sunday with us. He's hopping on a plane. He's leaving on a jet plane Thursday to be reunited with his family. So uh, we're going to miss you, buddy this room. Oh, so here's how you know. If you don't have a loaf of bread at your table, you're going to have to move to a table that has bread. Are there any tables that don't have a loaf? Mikhail, or Taya rather, has some more right there. Wave your hand around if you need bread. All right, over here, Taya. Oh, this side. Over here. Sound booth. They need some bread. You know what? I'll break mine and I'll bring it back to you. Or can one of you come forward and grab it after I break it? All right, praise God. So we are, um, we've been looking together at, we've been looking at what it looks like to make room in our hearts, make room in our lives for the presence of the Lord, which is what worship is all about. The heart of worship, the meaning behind it, the reason why we engage the Lord in worship is because he's made room for us. And, and famously at the Last Supper, Jesus said so much to his disciples at that Last Supper. Thank God for John recording a lot of it for us to remember for all time. But in John 14, after Jesus told Peter, by the way, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny that you even know me, not just once, but three times. And then immediately Jesus said to the whole group, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it weren't so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. The reason why we're here on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, the reason why Christians for 2,000 years have gathered on the Lord's Day is because when Jesus broke bread with his disciples, he told them, I am going to make room for you. I'm going to make room for you in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to make room for you at the banquet table, the wedding supper of the Lamb, as Revelation puts it. I'm making room for you in my heart, and then he goes on, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus made this promise, and he said, I'm going to make room for you, because I want a, a, a feast. I want a celebration in heavenly places that's absolutely packed out, that's so full. In fact, I don't want anybody that's, that's been created to miss out on this thing. I'm going to give however many thousands of years it takes until that banquet hall is full and, and there's a seat at the table for you, for me. The reason why we love getting around tables, I hope your family does it. I don't know, we, we've struggled over the years with how busy life gets to make sure that we have a time that our whole family is around the table together. We try to do dinner together. We sit. I'll ask questions. Tell me about your day. Tell me. And, and, you know, the questions, depending on the stage of life, are long or they're, you know, how was your day? Good. What stage of life is that? All right, yeah, teen- yeah old parents know, old teenagers know. And usually sometimes you have to dig a little bit, but it's important to be around the table. And the reason for that, the reason why it's so important, is because it's like preparation for what Jesus has done. There is nobody gathered around the table of the Lord that earned their way to that table. There's no None of my biological children earned their way around the Blair table at dinner. They were just born into it. It's where they belong. And the Father is the same way, and Jesus let us know, hey, guess what, guys? I've got, a t- I've got a place waiting for you, and it doesn't matter what you brought with you to the table. It doesn't matter how you got there. You've been invited to the table. So when he said, don't let your hearts be troubled, don't be afraid, my Father's house has lots of room. I'm going to prepare a place for you. What we do in response then is we've got to prepare a place for Him. That's what happens in this life right here. That's what worship is all about. That's what, as I've been sharing with you, the purpose of church is. It's not just to have nice meetings for Christians and sing songs. It's not even just to get revved up so we could go out and reach the world. The, The purpose of the church is to provide God with a dwelling place in the earth. That's what it means to be His temple, His tabernacle. It's where God lives. And so Jesus perpetuated this this thing at the Last Supper when he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I want you to prepare a place for me. And whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember this moment. Capture it. Take a snapshot in your heart and rehearse it over and over again until I return. Rehearse it over and over again. Why? Because I'm always going to be looking for a place that I could dwell in the midst of my people. So we have this God who's humble enough. As Jesus shows us in Revelation, He said to the church in Ephesus, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. What a humbling thing for a God to do. If anybody had the right to barge into anybody's house, it's the God who created heaven and earth. If anybody had the right to say, You know what? I have the key, and I'm just coming. I don't care if you invite me or not. It would be the Lord of heaven and earth. But instead, He's so humble and how he approaches us, that he actually knocks. He's waiting for an invitation. As I shared last night, he's not only waiting for an invitation, but he's hoping that when he's invited into the house, he finds that there's room for him around the table of our lives, around the table of our homes. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, we're the ones who have to open the door. He doesn't bust the door open. We open the door and say, come right in, Jesus. He's just like that because love has to be a two-way street and relationship, or it's not love, it's slavery. So he says, I want you to invite me in, and we invite him in and open the door. I will come with him, come into him, and I will dine with him. I want to sit at your table, the Lord says. I want to be invited to literally be present with you. When two or three are gathered in my name, he said, I am there in the midst with them. I'll dine with him and he with me. So let's take this bread, and if you will, at the Last Supper... Uh, Anybody at the table, if there's a dad at the table, that would be great and meaningful. If there's not, just it doesn't matter. Anybody can break this bread. We're all one in Christ. But the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, Paul put it, took this bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's break uh, break the bread, pass it around to your table, and I'm going to pray in just a moment. By taking this bread today, we're renewing a covenant with the Lord which says, I'm not just going to believe in you. I'm not just going to hold you like a distant doctrine, or I'm not just going to believe what your word says about you, but I'm actually inviting you in me. you take this bread, it's now going to be part of your body. Every single cell of your body gets to partake of what you're about to take physically, but this is a lot more than just a physical piece of bread. This represents something spiritually that the Lord wants in. He wants an invitation. He wants in. He wants us to continually be making room for Him. So Jesus, would you take this, this mere piece of bread, and make it something spiritual for us right now as we partake of it. We pray that you would enter into us again. We invite you to make us living temples of the Holy Spirit. We invite you to make us built up together to be a dwelling place for you in the earth. So as we partake of this bread, would you make our heart understand? Would you make our spirit understand? Would you make our our soul come to life with the reality that the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth is now in us for all eternity? Let's take this bread together. Sorry, I took too big a piece. I'm still chewing on it. It came out pretty good this time. I remember that. If you're ever on a microphone, small pieces of bread. (laughs) After supper, it says, Jesus took the cup, he gave thanks, and then he passed it around to his disciples and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. My blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. The new covenant means, it's the new covenant, it's the eternal covenant. There's never going to be a need for God to find another way. Every covenant God ever did was let me find a way that I could be with my people. Let me find a way that I could dwell in their midst. Somehow, even in the middle of all their pagan idolatry, even in the middle of all their crazy sin that they get into, I'm always going to find a way to live with them. Then came this new covenant, the last covenant that God would ever make. And it was a covenant made between the Father and the Son. And they conspired together and said, how are we going to do this so that we never have to renew a new covenant again? So that it's good for good. And they conspired together and said, okay... It's going to mean, son, that you're going to have to be the the last sacrifice ever made. You're going to have to become a living embodiment of all the sacrifices made since the dawn of time to pay a price for everyone else so that nobody will ever have to make a sacrifice to come into my presence again. So if you're here today, as I said, you sit around a table. We all sit around a table of the Lord. Do you know that you didn't have to sacrifice anything to be around that table? I know some of us call it that. When I got born again, when I really came to know the Lord, I had to sacrifice some of my old lifestyle. I had to sacrifice. There were some friends I lost who didn't want to hang out with the, you know me because I was this Jesus freak, and I, I lost some things like that. And I used to call it a sacrifice till I was there on a Good Friday, I think it was, and just thinking about the cross, I said, how am I even going to call that a sacrifice? Compared to what he's given up for me, this is no sacrifice. Take my life. That's not even enough. But this, this covenant means none of us needs to make a sacrifice to enter into His presence, to, re, to receive His grace. Nobody has to give up and, and offer a burnt offering to the Lord. We don't have to do penance because of our sin. We don't have to say, well, I blew it five times this week, so that's five whatever is our fathers and Hail Marys. You know, but We don't have to do any of that stuff. All of it's been done, which is why he ended his ministry by saying, it is finished. That's what the New Covenant means. It means we sit around a table with the Lord, and all we have, all we have to do, the only thing He's ever required since, since he, he rose from the dead, is said, "Just invite me in. Answer the door when I knock. Come in and let me drink together with you. Let me drink together with you. Covenant cups were always used for covenant. Marriage covenants, every covenant had a cup that both parties would drink from. It's a common cup but we don't do that in the Western world because we're too germophobic. One cup they passed around the table drinking from the same cup. So just imagine you're drinking from the same cup right now. We partake of the same cup, which is Christ. This is Christ himself right now that we're partaking of. This is not just a symbol. Right now we're saying Jesus on the inside. Come on and do your thing. So Father, we rejoice and we celebrate right now. This is the cup of a new covenant the eternal covenant, the only covenant that will ever exist for all time. And thank you for inviting us in to the very presence of the Godhead with this covenant to enjoy you. We make room for you in our lives right now by partaking of this. Amen. Oh, that's good. Praise God. All right, well, we, have, um, we do have children's ministry this morning for nursery only. So if you have any, is that under two? Or is it two and under? Two and under. That begins now. God bless you guys. If you're serving back there, thank you for serving. And you may bring your two and unders to the back. For everyone else, there are more color sheets. Your kids can stay engaged with that. You're free to move if you want to bring them in, if they need some stretch and leg time. We're all going to be brief today in what we do, and we're going to be talking around the tables. I'm only going to talk a little bit today. Now, don't don't be celebrating that or anything, or, you know. Um, but we're going to share your hearts around the table today. That's what, what we're going to do. So um, we're, we're looking at Psalm 100 right now, which, uh, which goes like this. Shout joyfully. Oh, we should read it together. We were going to do that, right? Let's read it out loud together with feeling. Read it as if the words mean something when you say them, not shout joyfully to the I went to this Lutheran school when I was in middle school, and we used to recite this every chapel. And it sounded like this, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joy. That just doesn't feel right to me anymore, does it? Is it to you? All right, so let's read it the way the psalmist wrote it. When David wrote it, David was a man, I don't think, you know, the man who danced like in his underwear before the Lord's Ark, I don't think he, he read it like we did in that middle school. So let's read it with some heart together. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth serve the lord with gladness come before him with joyful singing know that the lord himself is god it is he who made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name for the lord is good his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations so let's, uh, let's break this down and uh, take a look together at it. So enter his, we're in verse four right now, which is, um, as I share with you, there are seven commandments in the psalm, and there are a few different Hebrew words for praise or worship, other things that, that we take our heart and somehow extend it toward the Lord in a tangible way. That's what, what worship's all about. There's actually like 50 different words in the Hebrew language. That involve prayer, praise, thanks, worship. Uh, we're only going to look at a couple of, well, four of them today. Some of them are going to be familiar. If uh, if we've come to a place, so it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Entering his gates means I'm going to come through. There's a, a barrier between me and him. That's what a gate represents. You have to come through the gates to come into something, go through the gates to get into an ancient city. You have to go through the gates to get to a home in gate a gated community. And although God's presence is wide open for all of us and really for all the world, there is still a process for him to us to come into his presence. How many of you know he's always with you? You know that? Is there anywhere in the universe where God is not? There's no, the universe isn't big enough to contain our God, but there is an intentional process for us to experience him and then evolve something, enter his gates. So if you've ever felt distant from the Lord, if you've ever felt like I just can't feel his presence right now, I feel like he is a million miles away, even though he's with me, here's step one to begin to restore that heart of connection, which is the best kind of worship, and it's to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Most every time, and I've experienced it myself, everybody I've talked to when we lose our passion for the Lord and we've lost our intimacy, our desire for worship, one of the first things that's already long since gone is a thankful heart. To be able to actually say thanks. This word, thanksgiving, todah, is the Hebrew word. It means to extend the hand with an offering of thanks or a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sometimes thanksgiving means being thankful even when we're not feeling thankful. We've all taught our toddlers that. Some of us continue the lessons on through elementary, high school, college, adulthood. How many of us need a reminder from time to time? Anybody else? Throw pity parties for yourself. You're the guest of honor at a pity party and you wonder why nobody wants to show up because they're just tired of hearing it. Most of the time, when worship begins to subside, if if you really take an honest look, we've stopped being thankful. We've tried to impart to all of our kids. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. That the way to be able to have it all, which we have in Christ, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The way that you could be a billionaire's child and not become spoiled by it is to maintain a thankful heart. Not taking things for granted. Being thankful means I'm aware of the fact that although I have so much, I don't take for granted that somebody paid a price to give that to me, that somebody gave me something. At the very least, my God has given me breath in my lungs. My God's given me the ability to make wealth. My God has given me the ability to laugh and to enjoy life. He's given us so much. And when we go through life, we can begin to take things for granted. The first step toward restoring a heart of worship, where we're worshiping from the heart in spirit and in truth, is to restore a heart that gives thanks. So take a few minutes around your table and uh, discuss this question. What is something that God, had, God does or has done that you might be prone to take for granted? And it might not be right now. Do, you could tell a story about way back when, you know, before, whatever, or you could tell a present story right now. But what's something you realize, it's, it, we would call it a spirit of entitlement, not the right kind of entitlement that Patty preached about a few months ago, but like where I feel like, well, you got, uh, the whole world owes me something. God owes me something, and so, um, you know, I'm really not thankful for anything, and I'm always asking, well, okay, well, what have you done for me lately, right? So answer that question around your tables. If you're by yourself, by the way, come on and join a table. Hang around with some folks and join in the discussion. You can't have a discussion with you, yourself, and you, so um, I'm going to give you just, oh, and by the way, it's going to be five minutes of discussion, so don't hog it up on everybody. Tell your story quickly. Be brief. Get to the point and all that. 5 minutes begins now. All right. Praise God. I know that we could probably go on for a half hour, but don't worry, there's going to be more opportunity to pick up where you left off. Four parts in verse 4 to really come fully into the experience of God. How many of you agree with me that God is not just a belief system, he's someone to be experienced? And if we haven't experienced him, if we haven't been moved to the core of our being by our own creator, then we haven't yet come all the way in. And scratching the surface of coming into his presence is to just be thankful for the simple things of life. You know, around our table, it was some great answers really moved me, you know, family and community and, you know, the presence of God always available and there. But how about just the simple things like, "I'm I'm alive today. You know, there are things I wonder if we get, like, a rewind on our whole life when we meet Jesus face-to-face and um, we get to see all the times we almost died that we didn't even know, that, like, our angels who were working overtime, for some of us, they work extra, extra overtime. Like, Joel's got, like, 12 of them, and they're always, like, dude, you know, I mean, they're just busy, very busy angels. But how many times we came close, so just waking up, And having breath in our lungs, we could give thanks for that. So there there are many things just to be able to stay daily thankful for. The, The thing that caused Israel to decline in their wilderness experience was that they failed to give thanks for the daily bread of the manna which came down from heaven every morning. They forgot. And that manna represented Jesus Christ. He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Just having Jesus every day. Is worth it. So if we're struggling because we're in a tough season of life and therefore we're struggling to worship, we could just begin with the simple things that we take for granted. And that would be chief among them. We have Christ, we have eternity because of that. So in the next verse, then it goes on and says, um, Did I skip over the. Come into his courts with praise. This is the Hebrew word tehillah which specifically means a song of praise. So there's the singing now. It's not just saying things that we praise God for, but it's an actual song of praise. So melody, we make melody in our hearts and it spills out of our mouth. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I prayed something last night and as I was saying it, I felt corrected by the Lord that, you know, the angels must sound so much better than us. But I believe his favorite song is our song. His favorite song is when he's loved us, and we offer back to him a love song in response to that. So um, that's this word: come into his courts with praise to heal. It means a song of praise or appreciation for the deeds of God or the character of God. So sometimes God does something; it's absolutely amazing. You know, Miriam uh, repeated the song that Moses sang when they crossed over the the sea on dry ground. And she sang a song of praise because look at what I will sing unto the Lord for he has gloriously. The horseman rider, he's thrown into the sea. That's a tehillah. That's a spontaneous song of praise because you just saw God do something awesome and you want to commemorate it in song and your heart just wells up so you can't contain it anymore. Sometimes it's just something about the character of God. Like you get a revelation one day, it just dawns on you. Wow, I can't believe how much Jesus had to forgive me of. And that produces this spontaneous praise, like, wait, you still open the door for me? You still accept me? You still have room at the table for me after what I did? And that erupts into it. It's his character that we're praising. He's merciful. He's long-suffering, whatever. Or we're just seeing just how majestic he is. You have experiences. You know, I finally got to see what real mountains look like out west a couple years ago. And, you know, up there at 14,000 feet, Looking at the view from up there, I just felt praise begin to erupt in my heart. Like, man, this is this is like a hill for God, and here I am looking. Man, I could see I could I could see England from up here. You know, it's just so majestic, and that and then praise begins to bubble up. That's what Tahila is all about. It's it's rooted in the word Halal, where we get our word Hallelujah from. So Hallelujah is one of those words that you know it's kind of become Christianese in a lot of ways, and we say the word like. You know, oh, dinner was made. I didn't burn dinner tonight. Hallelujah! You know, we and we kind of use it so frequently that we we I think we've lost what the word actually is. If you were going to say the word Hallelujah in the original language for its original purpose, it was more like a Hallelujah, like something amazing just happened. You were about to die and you didn't die. Hallelujah, And, and it means praise the Lord. Literally, Hallelujah means praise the Lord, and. If, if we see God as he is, but we experience God as he can be experienced, that's the natural response of the human heart. We were hardwired to respond to our maker that way. So share around your tables for five minutes. What's your favorite thing about God? Or you could say, what's your favorite thing about something God has done? That's going to be next, by the way. We're going to share some more about specific things that God's done over the last year. But for now... Just tell everybody around the table, what's your favorite thing about God as you understand him so far in your life? Go ahead and share that. you got five minutes. We need some examples. We're trying to track of it.
1: Like, ironic. Like, ironic.
0: All right. Praise God. By the way, I keep forgetting to tell you, if you're watching from home, there should be a slide on the screen with that question. Hopefully, you're not by yourself at home doing this. But if you are, just contemplate these questions with the Lord and um steve i have a there's a pad sound in the background for the slide so i don't know if that's going over the house or the live stream or not but i snuck it in there i forgot to tell you guys so uh, anyway that's in there okay so enter his gates with thanksgiving come into his courts with praise next it says give thanks to him there we are giving thanks again man that's like the third time now it's a psalm for thanksgiving that's what it's called and, and I'm telling you, the key to worship, the key to like from the heart praise and worship is that we begin and maintain a thankful heart. A thankful heart simply means I don't take for granted what you're doing. I don't, I don't feel entitled. I recognize what you give me as a gift and I receive it as a gift. I don't receive it as something I earn. So give thanks to him. That's that Hebrew word again, yada. That's where in the Yiddish they get yada, yada, yada. And it, it literally means to know. I know, and that's what the you know in Yiddish, what you're saying is yada yada yada. Means yeah, I know, I know, I know. Now we don't want to say it like that though, because if God becomes a yeah, I know, I know, I know, you got eternal life. You're not subject to death anymore. You're going to live forever. Yada yada yada. I, I know, no. <laughs> See, when it's become that, then we've got to step back again, enter His gates with some thanksgiving, because you know we we are dependent on Him for sustaining our very life now, much less for eternity. And so we acknowledge God. Giving thanks to him means to acknowledge him. We praise him. We give thanks. We we literally cast the, the I, I told you every Hebrew word has almost like a body motion to it. And yada means like to cast, like saying you, man, now that I see you, you're unbelievable. Uh, you know, giving thanks in that kind of a way. You're in a league all your own. You just, the the way you bless me blows my mind. The way that you show your loving kindness, even when I don't deserve it, it, it melts my heart. That's yada, to know him. Because how many of you know, if there ever was anybody worthy of saying to know him is to love him, it's our God. So to know him, that's why staying in the word is so important. Experiencing God's important, but so is staying in the Word to really get to know Him. To know all of what there is about Him. You can't just get it on these pages. It's taking the page and then saying, all right, let me experience it now. Because know is also an intimate word, as I shared last week. To know something, to know a man and woman knowing each other, that makes kids. So there is a deeper knowing. There's something that happens when we we go to that level with it, too. So um, around your table right now take a few minutes to discuss a time that God made himself known to you during this past year where you were able to say for example I knew this I knew about you before but now I know you I knew about your faithfulness before but now I've experienced it so now I can say I know your faithfulness go ahead and share uh, something from the last year of your life where God made himself known in a way that was just undeniable that was God All right, you got five minutes, go for it. Praise God. Okay, so one more now. Kids are doing amazing, by the way. Yes, I do see little heads running around right now, but they're doing amazing for this much time in the room. Thank you guys um, for that. So, the, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving, come into his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and then finally it says, bless his name. Bless his name. So, this, uh, the Hebrew word bless is barak, it literally means to kneel. This is the the word picture of the word Barak. is to get on one knee as if you're bringing a gift to somebody and you're presenting it to them. It's a humbling place of I want to exalt you right now. And in order to exalt you, I'm going to diminish myself, meaning I'm going to give something up. If you're kneeling, I'm giving up my dignity right now. I'm, I'm not going to have my full stature. I'm going to lower myself for the sake of lifting you up. That's the picture of the word barak. So does it not blow you away as it does me that the blessing that God gave to the high priest to speak over the people of God on God's behalf, he said, the Lord barak you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, the Lord bless you, that we have a God who is willing to stoop himself down. I mean, the word becoming flesh is a very humbling thing, not to mention all of what he did. But the Lord bless you. I'm going, to demin- I'm going to bring myself to you because I want to exalt you. That's why it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? Because he wants to exalt you in due season. I know we, we think, oh, that's prideful. But no, it's only pride if we exalt ourselves. If we allow God to do his work, and make us to be his representation in the earth. If we're going to represent God in the earth, we should be glorious in the earth. That would be an accurate representation of God. But when we come into his presence, the final step of really knowing we're with the Lord, the law of Moses said, let no one appear before the Lord empty-handed. Meaning, if you're going to come before the Lord, have your heart in such a place That you're so filled with gratitude. What's the first thing you want to do when somebody does something amazing for you? I mean, you say thank you, but what else do you want to do? You want want to do something for them, right? I mean, somebody comes, you know, they come and help. Like I had some brothers come and help renovate the house that we live in here in Millersburg. And I wish I had a million dollars to thank them for what they did. 'Cause if I had a million dollars I would have hired somebody to do all the work and I wouldn't you know, but anyway, you just your heart so wells up with gratitude, the thing you want to do is bless. You wanna say, Man, I gotta I wish I could repay you. We Christians do this battle. You ever sit at a table with a group of Christians and the bill comes for the meal? What happens next, right? It's like WWE, around that table, no, I'm paying that, I'm paying that. And then somebody gets real sneaky and goes up to the, the waitress when, she, you know, i got to go to the bathroom, and you go and sneak the bill, right, and you're just out-clevered everybody. But we fight over who's going to get to be the blessing because gratitude has filled our hearts, worship has filled our hearts. And that's the natural response. We want to do something now. We get born again. The first thing everybody says when they get born again, especially if you came out of some deep stuff, the first thing he goes, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. That's Barack. I'm going to humble myself now, and I've got to give you something to exalt you for what you've done. So let's uh, just take a few minutes, the final uh, question to discuss around the table. And this is really a covenant. You could pray for each other too when we do this. And I'll have the worship team come up. We're going to minister to the Lord uh, one, more, one more song before we leave today. But looking forward, looking into the next year ahead, what is something that you will do to be more purposeful in blessing the Lord, meaning what will you do to honor him? What will you give to honor him? What's something that's really in your heart as you're sitting here together with him right now that you say, in the next season of my life, don't worry about calendar year, in the next season of my life, here's what I wanna do to demonstrate my gratitude to the Lord. Go ahead and talk about that for a few minutes and then we'll worship together. Amen. Well, let's gather our hearts back unto the lord right now the worship team's going to lead us in a song really just celebrating god's goodness and celebrating all the ways that he just continually makes himself known in our lives and you can either join together in declaring the words of this song and singing it or if you're in a season of life where you just need your soul to be reminded of a few things we recognize that we want worship to be in spirit and we want worship to be in truth which means that from our from the bottom of our heart we know these things to be true and if the words of this song are coming to you in a season where you feel like I believe that but my heart needs to catch up with what I know to be true because I'm not feeling it right now then just let the words of this song wash over you and and restore your soul into a place where until the song begins to come out of the abundance of your heart once again. But let's stand to our feet, minister to the Lord, and and declare these things. Because no matter what, the, the true reality is, God's always good. The true reality is he can't stop himself from being good. And the truth is when we when we can see in the right place and look in the right way, that he has always been faithful. He's the Lord and he never changes. Lord, receive this offering of a song to you right now and bring our hearts into the revelation and the understanding of just how true this is. May the heart of that song be revelation to your spirit this week. May all of the truth of what we just sang be at the front of your mind and at the front of your thoughts. May every thought of your heart be consumed with the reality that surely his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of our lives. Yeah, we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever because we're dwelling in the house of the Lord now. God bless you as you go about an awesome week. Jesus, God bless you as you prepare a celebration of his incarnation with us. How Emmanuel, God with us, is still with us and he never will leave. He never will forsake. God bless you as you go about being with your family. Restoring and enjoying the Lord and all the relationships of your life. God bless you as you go from this place and have an amazing week with Jesus.